Planes, Trains, and Kids Abroad is the name of Erica Budd's podcast. Travel Rangers is her book series, Mission to Australia, the first episode. Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, Dax. Thanks for having me. I love the name Plane, Trains, and Kids Abroad. It tells us a lot about what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about what this mission is and what you're trying to teach people. Yeah, I love the name too. And actually, parents who travel abroad with their kids are the ones that help me actually pick that name. That's great. So uh, I started that podcast. Well, how far back should I go? Because even when I kind of started, this whole thing started for me as a parent who loved to travel but didn't want to travel with their child. Mm -hmm. So that's what started everything for me, my book and my podcast. And actually, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast either, but I love to travel. I've always traveled. uh, about 30 countries to date. And I, it's not more because I keep going back to the same countries because there's so many different places to explore in a country, right? But um, all of this started because my son, I was adamant. I was one of those parents that was adamant that I'm going to enjoy my travels abroad. I'm not going to take my son with me. He's not going to remember it. It's a lot of money. What's the point? Um And then I took him to Australia because I'm a single mom. It was either I was I had just gotten back from a trip, a a cruise in Europe, and I met this fantastic Australian couple and they invited me. And I don't know, for those of you that travel, you know that when you meet people, when you travel, they say, come on over and they mean it. And that was actually something I learned. One of the first things I learned when as an American traveling that people actually mean it. And if you say come on, they'll come. And if they say it, you're able to go. So this couple invited me to go and it was New Year's Eve. And I remember thinking, well, I can either stay here with my son or we can just go. And even though he won't remember it, it'll be a trip and at least we'll get to go and I'll remember it. And I took him and it was the, it was the most eye-opening, best thing I've ever done. He was five. He had just turned five. Um, we had a long layover, like a day layover in China on the way. I was terrified as a single parent. What am I going to do with a five-year-old for a long day layover in an airport? But we decided I got our visas for the day. We went into town and seeing his face as he looked out of the window at a world that was so different than anything he'd known just told me right then and there, oh my gosh, what have you been doing? This is the best thing you could have done for him. And he was in awe and he loved it. And he tried the food and he remembered it. And then when we went back to the airport, I'll never forget, he was playing with this little Chinese boy on the moving walkways. Mm -hmm. And they didn't understand, of course, he spoke Chinese, he didn't spoke English. And they played for out like an hour, just on a moving walkway. And they didn't care. They just, it was a universal smile, right? And that was another moment. I'm like, oh my God, look at what you're giving him because, and this was only, we didn't even make it to Australia yet, (laughs) right? So it ended up being an amazing trip. And that told me right there and there, you're wrong. You've been wrong. This was a great opportunity you gave him. And from that moment, I wanted to inspire other families and other other families to not only travel abroad, but to start with kids and help them to realize that there's a whole world out there that's different than theirs. And that's kind of what started it all. So that's the key thing, isn't it? It is understanding that the things that they're surrounded by are not the same things that everybody in the world is surrounded by and their life experiences are not the same as everybody else's life experiences. Right. I mean, and it opens questions, right? Because when you're in your bubble, like a lot of people in America say, 
we have everything. Why do you need to travel? Like the first time I went out of the country, I'll never forget that they said, why? Like, why are you going anywhere uh, to Europe? And I was like, what do you mean? Why? There's a whole world to explore. The thing is, is that A, you don't know what you don't know, right? But it opens questions. Like my five-year-old's asking me questions about other cultures, other people, why they do things. And that's at five, you know? And it's only expanded the more places I take him, so... I think even the U.S. to me is interesting. I, I, I'm British. I grew up in England. Um, now I live in Denver, Colorado. And we're very fortunate in England that, of course, the rest of mainland Europe is is right there. Um, like you, probably my kids are at similar sort of country visited numbers. But I often joke that it's a little bit like cheating when you live in Europe, right? Because you can just drive over borders and you don't need visas or checks or anything as you go yeah. all the way from, you know, all the way from Portugal on the West, all the way to sort of Ukraine and the Russian border on the on the East of Europe. And so you can get a lot of countries ticked off sort of easily. Uh, once I moved to the States, I was very fortunate my parents would bring me here as kids for like Disney World and things. It was only when I moved did I comprehend the size of the United States, though. Yeah. And and even I wish people would go to random states more, even if they're not going to leave the US, just to go and be like, you know, if they live down in Georgia, be like, I don't know, I'm going to go to North Dakota. Like, what's going on in North Dakota <laughs> for a couple of days? And if you're not picky and you just want to go for an adventure, you can find flights almost anywhere in this country for under a hundred bucks if you've got a random day and a and a random sort of bit of good luck. So I wish people would get out of their bubble a bit more, even just within our within our borders. Oh yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. And I don't remember if I told you this or not, but one of the guests on my podcast gave me a tip for her for she's traveled to 40 countries. And one of the things that they do, um, because People tend to forget that just because we travel doesn't mean we have all this money. It just means we make it a priority and we look for the deals, right? right? So her her tip was uh, go to Google, you type in dates, and then it brings up all the different prices around the world so that you can travel. So talk about a way to explore. That's how she picks where she's going. I don't know where I want to go. I don't know whether it's in the U.S. or abroad. It just, she picks it by the price and she's like, hey, that's a great destination. So I love that. I'm just having a look to see, I think it's Skyscanner, um, and I have no affiliation for listeners to Skyscanner. I've used it once and twice, though. I think Skyscanner is the one, yeah, it is, where you can put in everywhere as the destination, and it yeah. will do exactly that. It will stack rank you um, flights, and, you know, from Colorado, you might see, obviously, you know, an Austin or, a you know, wherever, but every now and again, there'll be a random one for a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. That'll be down to like Puerto Rico or down to Costa Rica or, you know, Mexico and wherever it might be that is pretty easy to, uh, to get to. How old's your son now? He just turned nine. What outside of the things he actually remembers from that first trip to Australia at five, what do you think are the things that he got from it that he might not remember? Um, I think first he knows that there's a whole world out there now, right? He's not in his bubble. Now when he hears of countries or hears of places, he'll ask me, oh, let's go there. I mean, he just assumes that we're going to go everywhere now. Yeah. But the, the whole point is that he knows that there's other countries out there. And I really do think that he embraces people from other cultures. He actually has friends that um, one's from Brazil and the other one is, uh, I don't remember if she's, he's Indian, but um, no, 
excuse me, um, from Iran. And we were just talking about how um, his mom's trying to teach him Portuguese. The other mom's trying to teach him Farsi. And I'm trying to teach my son Spanish because that's my heritage. And, and I was telling him, like, see, look at your friends are from, your friends have family from other countries as well. And, and we're trying to teach them different languages. And he's like, oh, really? Like, it's just, it's just that understanding of people coming from other parts of the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I think that's the biggest thing he gave him. It's that the questioning of, oh, that's, that's interesting. Not, diff- you know, I think it's when you like meet ki- or kids or like, you have a lot of people that don't like different, right? It's wrong. Right. That's that's often what you hear when it's not the same yeah. as what you believe. It's wrong. And I think he's learning that it's just different and, and yeah. it's more curiosity. And he's meeting these differences with curiosity instead. And yeah. I'd say that's one of the biggest things. And 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 like I said, just really knowing that it's a possibility to see all these places, um, that it's a big world and he wants to explore it. So we share that yeah. together. We definitely do. That's wonderful. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think once they start to either go places or or really get to know somebody else's circumstance, they become more tolerant and they become more accepting. We're not born racist. We're not born with deep prejudices in us, right? We learn those from the environment that is around us. Now, bizarrely, given what I do today, my original training is as a geneticist. And there is a there is sort of a genetic fear factor built into us out of safety, which is to question difference, right? And to make sure that difference is, is something different is safe. However, I think we accidentally get raised today through media and things that different is always scary by default, whereas yeah. actually different should be something that can spark curiosity that can lead to something really quite great. And sometimes it's dangerous and you need to run away from it. But that shouldn't be, I think, the the default. And I worry that changes so much about how society works or doesn't work today, including foreign policy. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because one of the things and I know we'll, we'll kind of speak about this, but I do speak at schools and mm. part of my half of my presentation is just making sure kids understand why why are we learning about different cultures? Um, so the first book's on Australia, right? So I, I these are some of American culture things that we're aware of. And these are the things that you learned about in the book that are Australian culture. And then why is it important? Why am I having you learn about this? Why is culture important? And then I give them examples of, of you know, they go to a house and their friend speaks a different language or, you know, they speak, a, a, play a sport that another friend doesn't play and, and how they respond to that and how it makes their friends feel. And, 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 and so it's, it's something that is really important to me. And I want kids to understand that and they all interact and, and it's, it's, I ha- make sure they, I have them look around the room and, and <laughs> look saying someone, you know, is from another country or has family from other countries. And as you meet grow and whatever career you pick. So yeah, it's something that it's really important for kids to understand. And I really believe in that. And that's what my book kind of is that first doorway into that, I hope. What sort of questions do you get on the school visit? Um, well, I tend to, I try to ask them questions first. So, cause I want them to relate to as many of the characters as possible in the book. So I have the kids are, are all diverse kids. And I did that intentionally because I, I just wanted as many kids as possible to relate to the book. Right. So throughout the entire presentation, I ask questions, you know, have you done this? 
or do you look like this? Do you have this, you know, just so that they can relate to it. Have you ever been here? What other, what sports do you, you know, I ask them questions so that they can relate. And then um, the questions that I tend, or I'll even ask them, where should they go on their next, next adventure? And I love the countries that they bring up and you mm-hmm. could tell it's because that's where they have family from, you know, mm-hmm. and it reminds other kids. Um, like I had, uh, you know, oh, I can't remember now, but um but mainly the types of questions that I get at the end, if we have time, because we don't usually have time because we're so engaged in throughout the whole conversation, um, it's just mainly how many countries have you been to? You know, has your son been with you? Um, did you taste that food when you were in Australia? Because I lived in Australia <laughs> yeah. for I lived in Australia for three years, and that's one of the reasons why I chose it. Plus, it's or I took my son, but um, yeah, did you did you eat that food? Did you do the? Did you see a kangaroo? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's great that they know kangaroos are in Australia. I mean, why the heck not, right? Um, oh, yeah. The food questions, I think, always uh, a great one because I think people can, you know, are grossed out by certain things, which is always, you know, a fun topic for kids. And did you see snakes? Did you see giant spiders? Things like that. My. Uh, Three of my kids lived for a year down in South Africa and Botswana, and um, their their spider pictures were astonishing. Still to this day, I I wouldn't want to run into most of those things. Oh yeah, no, I think in Australia they had like the world's deadliest is it spiders or insects? They have something. Everything, I think. I think Australia yeah, so just is there, there to like, try and kill you. Would you, guys, would you stop telling me all these things? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. it's just like there's deadly spiders in the States as well. It's just, you don't do go in those places. You don't stick your hand in dark corners, you know, things right. like that. So. Right. I love at the moment trying to find countries where everything's not the same. I don't want to walk down a high street and see another Starbucks and a Dunkin' Donuts and a Walmart and things. Of the 30-ish countries that you've been to, where did you find something that you really felt was was pretty far away from the bubble that you might live in day-to-day back in America? Um, that is a tricky question because, yes, I've done a lot of Europe, but I've also tried to get away from that. So um, Vietnam and Cambodia, that was that was a big one because we did a, a river cruise. And so we were able to, we actually went in town and went into the villages and went into someone's home, went into a school. That was very eye-opening. Um, I actually was video chatting with my son when we were going down the river that one time and, and uh-huh. there were these kids playing on dirt with a stick and a ball. And he's like, mom, what are they doing? I'm like, they're playing in the dirt, bud, with a ball and a stick. He's like, really? You know, and I I love that he was curious. I love that he was asking. I love that he could see another world. But I'd say that was not that I wasn't aware, but just to, I think what I love most about it was just how happy they were with simple. You know, they didn't need all the things that we have in the States. It was just simple and they were happy. So I'd say that trip, but also my trip to Egypt was pretty eye-opening for me as well very very different culture um it was extremely historical and the things you see are amazing but it was a very different uh culture than i was used to (laughs) what year did you go to egypt 2009 okay how was it then so that was before that was before the last major round of political unrest was it fairly stable at that stage Yes. Um, I, we did make sure to join a tour group because we just mm. felt more safe at that doing that. Um, and they took care of 
Uh, so I don't think I ever felt unsafe unless until we were driving. I remember, I remember a long drive and I can't remember where it was, but, um, you know, I think they all, they came on, looked at all of our passports, this guy with a machine gun holding, you know, and that's yeah. not something we're used to, um, but I never felt unsafe. So. Yeah. That's interesting. I had that on the runway at Dakar in Senegal. It was in under civil war when we landed there and you had, we had to refuel to fly to DC. Um, and uh, they did that. They even made the plane yeah. sort of U-turn on the runway and, and we didn't get off the plane. But when the first time I think you see a machine gun, you really realize. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were in a, you were in a bubble before uh, before that moment. Um, yeah. traveling with kids, I think for a lot of people is, is a very stressful thought for all sorts of reasons, often just basic sort of logistical reasons. If we have audience listening who haven't really adventured into this much yet and, and taken their kids on sort of a more far flung adventurous type trip, um, what are your sort of thoughts and, and advice for them about getting started? Well, first, I want to uh, highly encourage them, strongly encourage them to listen to the, my podcast because all the guests on my podcast are parents who travel with their kids. And right. they're, I've had single moms, you know, yes, I have a lot of people who travel as a family, but they have tr different tips throughout their different experiences because they all go to different places. Um, I'd say some of the best advice I've heard from my guests are delays happen. <laughs> <laughs> Delays happen, right? No matter where you are going, they're bound to happen. So just remember that how you react to it or how your kids are going to respond to that. And I'm actually been giving that advice domestic as well with the holidays coming. It's like, just remember, however you respond, is, is gonna your kids are going to feed off into that. So just plan on it happening. Think about plans B, C, and D. You know, just prepare for it just in case so that you're not freaking out. Um, so that's what a, a, a lot of... A lot of the travel or the parents that are on the show, they just they because they've traveled so much, they've just really come to terms that it's just going to happen. So just yeah. don't let it ruin your trip. Um, it's, it's funny, actually, we're recording this right before a few weeks before Christmas. We have nightmare between our four kids and Sarah and I sort of getting to all these places, including London, Italy. And, you know, England just announced that the passport control people are going on strike on, on Boxing Day, what oh, we call no. 26th of December, you know, the day you land. And that is part of it, right? You can either yeah. react with, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster. And then the kids will fuel off that and they'll play it back to you. Or it can be, well, that's not ideal. Let's, let's figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's, as long as you go in with that mentality and yeah, obviously, you know, about this ahead of time. So you kind of have, you know, the upper hand because you can plan for it. Yeah. But if you just know, if you just plan that something can happen, you might get rerouted. You might just, especially with what's going with flights nowadays, ever since COVID, it's just, it's still not the same. Um, so that definitely helps, but there's like lookup games to do with the airports when there's delays. There's a lot of games that you can do at airports, surprisingly, as a family or on their own. That like I recommend to save video games until you're actually on the airplane. You know, I say no. use the airport, make the most of it. Um, another tip, well, it depends on where you're traveling to. If you're traveling to other countries, I've had people who have said. It's just easier if you do things that the kids are going to like. Um, I'd say the, the majority of my my families, though, tend to do both. Something mm -hmm. for me, something for you, you know, so that the kids aren't dreading it and you're not dreading it, doing all the kid things as well. Um, 
to make the most out of it by doing a little bit for everything, everyone. Like I have a family and they have six kids that they travel with. So I can't, a family of eight traveling the world is just hard for me to fathom, but that's what they do. They, every day they think about, okay, what do you guys want to do? Okay. We're going to do that. What do we want to do? We're going to do that. And so they each get something. And I think, I feel like that really helps. Um, and, and, other other advice is to just talk to your kids like like that family does they talk about what the plan is for the day and then it just kind of sets up for it sets up the day and it really helps kids i think when they're traveling that is good um i think i would add i've really embraced airbnb um, yeah it's often so much cheaper than hotels like we're looking at roman florence christmas new years and hotels are 6 700 us dollars a night and we got a five bedroom Airbnb in Rome on New Year's Eve for 120 bucks a night. And it's wow. a great spot and it's it's absolutely lovely. But then a family can also save a ton of money by making some food at, at, in the Airbnb as opposed to having 100%. to sleep three meals out, uh, three meals out. And I suppose the other thing that I think, I don't know why, but in England, we always got taught this, but I, I don't hear people in the States having it as part of their default plan is, is get insurance. Your, I mean, you know this, but a lot of people don't know that their medical insurance in America will not cover them when they go around the rest of the world. Nobody in England in a hospital cares that you have American medical insurance. So get medical insurance. Yeah, I'm actually a huge, huge advocate for travel insurance. I used to work for one of the big um, travel companies, and I used to hear all the stories of all the people coming back. And after that, I'm like, I'm getting travel insurance. So I do anytime I go abroad. Now, I will say there are a lot of guests on my show that don't. Yeah. And it surprises me, but they, especially the family of eight, they look at it as well. I could either afford to travel or afford travel insurance because they have so many kids that it just adds up really quickly. So they take their chances. Now, again, it's different philosophies work for different people. Um, I, I've I've actually heard 50-50 for people that travel the world. I, like I said, I've heard all the stories. Um, one of my guests on the show, um, Eric from Travel Babo, he's traveled to 100 countries and he learned the hard way because he had to fly, like his, his wife broke something in another country. I think it was Iceland or something and they couldn't get her back. So they had to charter and he ended up paying this ridiculous amount. And he's like, that's it, travel insurance. So unfortunately people learn the hard way, but it really yep. is like car insurance. It's like, yes, you have it and you hope you never have to use it, but you'll be so glad you did. Oh my God, the do. cost gets so significant. So so quickly. And actually we have a lot of audience for this show in England. And now with Brexit, a lot of people in England don't realize that we've lost a lot of our reciprocal benefits of um, our socialized mm. medical systems in mainland Europe and, and in the UK. Both my mom and my dad at various times have had very major ski accidents, for instance, oh. and have ended up with bills that if they didn't have insurance would be in excess of 50,000 US. Quite oh, yeah. And I've heard stuff like appendicitis. Oh, you can't plan appendicitis. You know, that's happened on quite a few trips that I used to hear. But even basic stuff like losing your luggage, that happened to me on the, I was starting a 30-day trip in Europe. And my first place was Greece and they lost my, it was delayed by a few days, but I had insurance. I didn't care because that's the best part about insurance for when you lose your luggage. And right now, you know, you hear stories about people losing luggage. If you have insurance, you don't have to worry about it because you get reimbursed for a certain amount. And I just looked at it as, well, I get new clothes, <laughs> you know? That's exactly So it exactly was right. saved the stress for me. A lot of people stress over their luggage. I don't stress yeah. when I get travel insurance at all. 
A good insurance tip I learned is it can be worth paying for a, a credit card that has a high annual fee. I have, God, what is it? Chase Sapphire, I think. And it's on the surface of it, it's exorbitant. It's 450 bucks a year to have that card before you spend anything on it. However, it provides you with all the travel insurance that is not medical. And mm. it gives you what's called primary auto insurance, which means I can waiver all of the car insurance whenever I rent cars anywhere in the world up mm. to a certain value. So that means when I'm talking about getting insurance, I only have to buy an annual policy for the family for medical. And that is about a quarter of the price of oh, yeah. you know, insurance that comes oh, yeah. in. So if you're going to do one, two trips a year, sometimes one of those cards that on the surface looks like a silly amount of money, it can actually be worth it. No, and that's a great tip, but let's just get them traveling to begin with. Because yes. perfectly, <laughs> perfectly, perfectly reasonable. Um, Erica, this has been a pleasure. And for our audience, check it out. Erica's going to uh, interview me on planes, trains, and kids yes. abroad. And yes. uh, we're going to talk about how I almost got my mother and my children eaten by a lion. And um, I got <laughs> accused of trying to smuggle my ex-wife in the in the trunk of my car across what was the Swaziland border is now called Estuani, I think. Um, I was not smuggling my ex-wife, just, <laughs> just to be clear, and, and my kids did not get eaten by a lion. But check that out. Um, Erica, where can people find the book, the podcast, etc.? So bigworldpub.com. So big world, because as you can imagine, I wanted people to know it's a big world pub for publishing. So bigworldpub.com. Wonderful. Erica, thank you very much. Thanks, Dax.